I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Tuesday. Sean Payton's out. We're going to do an ATS against the spread recap on his career and raise the question, could the Dallas Cowboys be involved here? This last weekend in the UFC, the heavyweight title match, looking at the odds, it looks like the betting market thought the fix might have been in. We'll explain. And every day this week, we'll recap Rams at, in San Francisco. What's the line? KC hosting Cincy. So all that and more for Hour of the Vegas Truth coming up. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Tuesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Yeah, you heard it right in the headlines. There might be, there very well could be, ah, a very interesting story with the UFC and the betting because the odds were a little off, and we think we know why. And this is a story that is going to continue, and we'll keep you updated on it. But we'll introduce you to it first. But not first, you know, probably late. It won't be the Vegas lead, I will tell you that. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thanks, R.J. On a day where Sean Payton steps away from the New Orleans Saints, we'll know shortly who will make the Baseball Hall of Fame, but maybe this time, more importantly, who will not make the Baseball Hall of Fame. And can Aaron you, Rodgers, Can you bet on that, A.J.? I would bet you can. And Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay becomes a major talking point now that the season is over. What is the Vegas lead, R.J.? Well, well first, I want to know where you can bet on the Hall of Fame at. I don't have an out for it, but I'm, I would assume that you can. I don't know. I haven't seen that. That'd be Although it's one of those it's one of those things where people leak their ballots out, so maybe it's not something that you can bet on. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in theory, that's the Heisman, though, too, right, to some degree, and you can bet on that one. But what we will start with our Vegas lead is Sean Payton, and I think unequivocally, you know, coaches retire and stuff, but this guy – is on the shortest of short lists that affects the odds and and his uh, ATS record and all that is is going to show that this is one of the true difference makers in coaching and his absence will be meaningful. 2009 Super Bowl winning coach Sean Payton uh, with the New Orleans Saints is stepping down, not necessarily retiring, but taking a break after 15 seasons as the Saints head coach. Kind of like Sinatra retired, right? A few different times. I don't remember that. So I don't that, either. But but I, you know, it's a nice thing about books. Sometimes you can read about the past. But uh, <laughs> I guess in my family, the uh, you know, it's like in The Sopranos when um, uh, in one of the early episodes they were talking about like the things they had in their life. You know, they were trying to like appreciate their their good things and 
Tony goes, and Francis Albert. So apparently, <laughs> apparently it was very important to the, uh, a lot of the Italians, and I can uh, say with my grandfather especially that was true. Okay, that said, Sinatra retired, then came back, retired, and came back. Kind of like Brett Favre maybe would have been the better example. I think what's fascinating here is the reason why. Now, you're always going to hear the, the family uh, you know, spend more time with the family, even, you know, so I think we just accept that as a cliche that most of the time isn't the main reason. Uh, I think we should start with the rumors about Dallas. Uh, remember, Sean Payton was on Parcell's staff and there was a real sense for a long time that Jerry Jones had a shine for Payton. And you got Drew Brees now retired for a, a full season plus, and the salary cap situation in New Orleans is is a question mark. It's a, certainly a negative for future winning. Is this? Do you think AJ? Is this just a matter of, hey, this has ran its course. I can't win another title. It's going to be hard to win another title here. I can move on. Uh, and, and find a better situation? Or do you think it's true burnout? What, what's your thoughts? I think it's certainly this is not a situation in New Orleans where there's going to be any titles won in the near future, no matter how good of a coaching job Sean Payton does. You mentioned the salary cap. There's $70 million over the expected salary cap already. They don't have a real quarterback signed to the team. I mean, unless you count Taysom Hill, which I, I think we saw, that's not something that Sean Payton wants to count on, even though he's the one who made that call. And I think he looks at it as like, this is going to have to be a full rebuild and he's a guy who doesn't want to be well, a part of that he wants hold, to go hold out on a second hold on a second is if winston were the quarterback and though he's not signed right now by all accounts winston was a guy that got cut effectively not re-signed by tampa bay because of his performance level now he gets with sean payton has a year of tutelage with Drew Brees there. And then in his second year, he plays seven games. And McKenzie, we've got the list, and this list is going to be like, oh, my gosh, really? Give me a list of the five or six highest-rated quarterbacks this year by EPA. So this is expected points added, and it's a advanced metric that the analytics community loves. And... It doesn't account for strength of schedule, but it's a really good stat. Really, QBR is pretty much EPA plus strength of schedule. But if you don't have enough games to qualify, they don't give you a QBR. So we're using EPA in this case. Give us the top five or six. Number one, no surprise, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Jameis Winston. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Then it goes Stafford, Brady, Herbert, and Burrow. Rounding out the top seven by EPA. Pretty good company. Yeah. I mean, I always like to see when there's a number that seems like, wow, that's that's other than I thought. Well, or does the other numbers and, and people around it make sense? Right. So if they would have had Sam Darnold on that list, I would be like, <laughs> throw that throw that out. Right. Or if Trevor Lawrence was on that list. But when you have you could make the case. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there's someone missing, right? But, I mean, it's like that is a who's who. I mean, that's probably 
very similar other than Winston to a list of the best quarterbacks by some people, by many people. You would probably swap out Josh Allen for Jameis Winston, and that would be your list. Yeah, and and the reality is Josh Allen didn't have that kind of season. He had an amazing, amazing end of the year. And if he would have played like he did from post-win game on the whole year, including the playoffs, he might have been number one because it's it's been stunningly good. Prior to that, it wasn't, right? But either way, you're right. It's a who's who. And I think it's fair to say that Winston was taken number one for a reason, right? Then he gets LASIK. And I don't know if it's LASIK. I don't know if it's Sean Payton. Uh, if it's the rest of the staff there, it certainly wasn't the playmakers. I mean, if you really think about it, on that list, who has who has worse playmakers? Uh, Nobody. No one. No one on that list. Yeah. Especially with especially with Michael Thomas sitting out this season. Exactly. So to me, the most impressive name on that list is Winston. One, because he's second. And, you know, he's ahead of a lot of people on it. And number two, or everyone but one, and number two, he had the least playmakers, the fewest. So, man, oh, man, if he's going to resign anywhere, and in pre-production, you made an interesting point, AJ. You said, well, when you make him sign a one-year prove-it deal, they often are going to go somewhere else because you didn't have faith in them. You know, I don't know. I think in this case, the default would have been and maybe still will be, we'll see, Tampa or New Orleans, because this is the place that was able to unlock his talents, it would seem, in a way that was above and beyond any season he's had. What do you think? I I mean, I I see your point, but the question is, how much are they willing to pay for that? And and that's where the salary cap woes come into play. Except, let's be candid, how many years in a row – has the Saints been at the top of the list of salary cap problems? Quite a while. And somehow, some way, they have the ability with these, uh, what are these, the years, that, the voided years? I mean, they have been innovators at manipulating the cap. Agreed, but at some point, you you can only max out the but credit why, card why, why so many times. Point? We don't have any sense that it's this I point. I don't know that it's at this point, but you know there's a point that happens, and who would know better than Sean Payton when that well, point is going to be? If that – if he would huh, – that's an interesting take. He's, so you're saying the only reason he could leave is because they've run out of money, and thus the fact he's leaving means they ran out of money. And I it's don't almost think that's like, true. It's almost like when Pete Carroll left USC – the writing was on the wall of what was going to happen at USC. And he's like, you know what? what, what now might what be the, the time for me to go. What was Th- the that all the sanctions were going to come down about Reggie Bush. Now's the time to leave before the bleep hits the fan. And I think that could be what's happening with the salary cap with the maxed out credit cards here in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I mean, we can either choose to believe him about the family, which we don't. Because <laughs> we just don't in general. It doesn't mean no one's telling the truth. It means that odds are they're not telling the truth. History shows us, right? All right. So then it could be that, hey, things are worse here than you think. And me heading out is a sign of that. Or number three, it could be I got another opportunity that is gigantic. Because I think unequivocally, Sean Payton in Dallas has a better chance to win a title than Sean Payton in New Orleans and I also at this point and I also think that the money that 
Jerry Jones would pay would be significantly more. So shifting to that possibility, and obviously with the coach at Dallas being on the hot seat to some degree, that all seems to fit. What's your thought on the Dallas rumors? I, I mean, the rumors have been there for a long time. If, if you remember, the the Saints were hoping, or the Cowboys were hoping to get him back in 2018, and it, it kind of fell through. But there's always been a connection between, you know, Sean Payton and the Cowboys. He's always wanted to coach for the Cowboys. This seems like maybe, even if it's not right away this year, it seems like it opens up the door to, in the future, him taking that Cowboys job, which is his dream job. Well, he could have a gap year, and like Mike McCarthy, he could study yes. analytics. <laughs> yeah, and, and then lie to the coaches and say, I watched every Cowboys play this whole season. Well, and probably all that, but he wouldn't admit it, probably. Like, that would be the last piece of the puzzle. We are straight out of Vegas. I'm R.J. Bell. Mackenzie, in some of your research, you came up with an 18 where it was further down the road than we might think that Sean Payton was going to leave the Saints, and then there was a request by the owner made uh, fill us in on that. Yeah, so the Saints owner, Mickey Loomis, also owns the New Orleans Pelicans. And right when this was happening, January 2019, right after the Saints lost that playoff game to the Rams, it just so happened that the Pelicans star Anthony Davis requested a trade. So Mickey Loomis comes to Sean Payton. He says, hey, I can't be the guy with the two biggest stars in my city leaving at the same time. Would you come back? And he did. He signed a three-year extension. Okay, so – and I think the contractual situation is important because – he is signed, you know, this upcoming year, and he's stepping away. Cause, so, obviously, to some degree, that's with the Saints' blessing. Though it's hard to force someone to do a job. Now, what's easier is not allowing them to do the job for someone else. So, the theory would be, at least my theory, is if he did Loomis a solid through that request – then maybe Loomis is going to be a little more open to him going somewhere else now, with even though contractually they could stop him. Now, is it, maybe I'm shooting in the dark here, but do you think, is it just a coincidence that Anthony Davis is supposed to come back tonight for the Lakers? <laughs> I think it's a coincidence. Okay, because it was floated that maybe this it was somehow connected. That's absurd. Let me throw a curveball out there. What about <laughs> the Kevin James movie coming out in three days? Does that have anything to do with this? It's obviously based on Sean Payton's life. Whoa. Now, this is interesting because I thought, I thought you were doing one of your ass nine jokes. But then it's like, I think you're being serious. So you're saying that that movie coming out, this gives it more attention? Yeah. I mean, his name is on every ESPN broadcast. And in two days, home team featuring Kevin James is coming out. Seems like interesting timing. It seems like, though, upon a moment's reflection, it's exactly the opposite of that, because whatever way they ended the movie is going to feel stale now. <laughs> if it's romanticized, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's a famous story. I mean, there's speculation with Howard Stern that when he was filming private parts, that him and the wife at the time were already way on the outs. And they made an arrangement, hey, let's just stay together through the, the release of the movie and shortly after. And then it won't feel like it's like some absurd commentary on like, you know, because the movie was like a love poem or, or love letter to his wife. But now if they're divorced, when it comes out, what does that say? 
right? No, that's a good point. Yeah, it, it makes it makes it feel like less of a uh, a feel good situation. Yeah. So though I do see the publicity side. All right. So real quick, ATS record of Sean Payton during his years. 55%. He won 140, dropped 115. 55% against the Vegas expectation. Now, that is excellent. Now, how's that? If we looked at everyone else during every other team, let's say, because everyone didn't coach at the same time, during that same period, do we, from, you know, a Peyton's uh, tenure, do we have that right now? Yeah, just pulled that up. Uh, well, give me a second. I got to get the yeah, percentages. Yeah, yeah. And remember that it's it's a weird situation because Sean Payton coached all but one of those years between 2006 and 2021 when he was uh, suspended for the bounty gate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, let's do this. Let's take our first break, and when we come back, we'll give you where Sean Payton is on that list, and also we're going to continue with our recap of how the lines have moved for the conference championship games. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas, and we got breaking news. Let's go to LA and Mr. Dan Byer. Breaking news from Fox Sports. Guys, the news was just handed down courtesy of Josh Rowich of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Our final member of the 2022 class is a feared slugger who performed his best on the biggest stage, winning three world championships. Today, David Ortiz becomes the fourth Dominican-born member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. That was courtesy of the MLB Network as Ortiz is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Barry Bonds falls short on his 10th and final time, receiving 66% of the vote. Roger Clemens just shy of 66%. He also fell shy on his 10th and final time. RJ, back to you. Mr. Dan Byer, what was the percentage needed for that? Is it 75? 75% Nortiz received 77.9% of the vote to get in. Uh, Bonds and Clemens, obviously about 10% short, did increase from the previous time, but not enough to get in the hall. Kurt Schilling also on the ballot for the final time. His percentage dropped from just over 71 to about 58% this time around. Ooh, thanks, Dan. So, AJ... What do you think of that, man? It's it's it, this is like the Ty Cobb argument all over again, right? Is Ty Cobb all-time hit leader until Pete Rose, and then it was like in hindsight people said, well, if the Hall's about ethics and morals and you know doing right versus wrong, you know Ty Cobb was this or that, and I don't know enough about all the accusations to like even tick them off, you know, but. I mean, I guess broadly it was a lot of racism accusations and stuff. So it feels like the Hall of Fame in any sport has to make a specific decision. Is this about on the field or is this about on the field plus? And then it gets a little more complicated if the indiscretions off the field help you on the field. Like, a lot of times, if someone's a womanizer or whatever, 
maybe it hurts him. Like Mickey Mantle, to whatever degree you could say he was doing things wrong off the field, it probably hurt him on the field. But with steroids, with PEDs, it helps you on the field. So maybe, yeah, Ty Cobb's in and stays in, but maybe a guy who does something that helps you on the field isn't. What's your jet? What's your opinion on this? My opinion is the Hall of Fame is is there to tell the story of baseball through the the people who basically wrote this timeline of it. And you can't tell the story of baseball without the steroid era. And you can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who are the the two best players I've ever seen play with my own eyes. So the fact that a a designated hitter gets in on his first ballot and the greatest baseball player I've ever seen gets shut out after after 10 attempts it's almost ludicrous to me and just to me it just diminishes what the hall of fame is okay so i would agree with you on the pete rose and obviously this is the other example right and maybe ty cobb got a lot of heat because it was in comparison to pete rose who obviously beat his hit record and with pete rose there was no, first of all what he did was as a manager so it was even uh, meaning it was after his time as a player. And I can assure you, Pete Rose was never going to make the Hall of Fame as a manager. So it's almost like if, if, if like if you have the five year wait period, which I like that. Right. Because it lets it cools everyone when it comes to if someone would just won a title at the, you know, gives it some distance. And is this guy amongst the best of all time? And I think your criteria of has to be part of the story that the hall of fame's purpose is to tell the story of the game. And thus is this person instrumental to that story? That's a very, I think, strong definition of inclusion. I don't agree that. I mean, I don't want to be trite with it, but like if someone, a ball player came in and shot up a locker room, he, you know, and it's a true tragedy. Obviously, that's going to be part of the story of, of the game, but you're not going to put them in the Hall of Fame. So yeah, I could see having a, a wing of it that talks about the steroids, but you wouldn't include people that's part of the steroids necessarily. So I guess my point would be, how do you separate the performance on the field that made Barry Bonds, I'm assuming that's who that was the best of them, that Barry Bonds, the best player you've ever seen. How do we know what percentage of that came from the PEDs? I don't. And and that's sort of the thing that's funny about all of this is how do we know what percentage of the pitchers that Barry Bonds was going up against were also juiced up? And what percentage of the hitters that Roger Clemens was pitching to were juiced up? And it's funny, whoever gets brought into the story or who was brought up in the news as part of the steroid era is assumed, well, these guys were juicers. And if they're not brought up, the media just assumes, well, these guys didn't do it. David Ortiz's name never came up. Derek Jeter's name never came up. And we don't know. There's no way of knowing who did and who didn't. It's basically, unless there was a failed test, and with Barry Bonds, there was never a failed test. It was basically the word of Barry Bonds versus a drug dealer. Now, do, am I naive enough to think Barry Bonds didn't use steroids? No. But uh, until there's hard evidence, it seems foolish to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. So then A-Rod's out to you. I don't care. To me, everybody was doing it. So, I, well, but you were I, setting the criteria of those who do care and making a distinction with Bonds not I, having a dirty test. I think you're more justified in leaving A. Rod and Manny Ramirez out than you are leaving uh, Barry Bonds out. Yes. Hmm. 
Okay. Because now, at that point there were rules against it. It was it, there at the time there wasn't even a rule in baseball that you couldn't use this stuff. And when when did that change? Uh, right around the time that, that Barry Bonds was breaking home run records. They said, "Whoa, we got to start testing for this." When the steroid news about McGuire and Sosa came out, that's when they said, "Okay, we've got to make changes." And they they outlawed it and they said, "Now we're going to start suspending guys who get caught." A-Rod was one of those guys. Steroids then, banned in 1991, but not tested for until 2003. Hmm. Okay. So, I think what makes it even more complex is with Roger Clemens, I think for sure, if he had never done steroids, he would have made the Hall of Fame still. Because if you look at his career, and I'm speculating, so I'll say this is my opinion, um... He had an amazing career that was of normal length. He started dropping off, and then he somehow reversed it. And you don't see that typically, right? And I think if you assume the drop-off would have continued, he still makes the Hall of Fame, and it's not even close, I don't think. Do you agree with that? Yes. So now the things that took him from a middle-of-the-road Hall of Famer to one of the greatest statistical pitchers ever was those extra years, and that I think you've got to call into question big time. But, again, you bring up another great point. Who's to say who else was doing it? I think the time pro- – if, if you had to guess, at what point would you say at the height of PED use in baseball – so at the time that the highest percentage of players in major leagues did it, do you think it was more than 50%? Well over 50%. Okay. And in your former career on Houston radio, you followed baseball very closely. Yeah. All right. So I'm just getting some perspective here. So if more than half, of the, and let's assume that's correct, and I think that feels right to me, you got to wonder who isn't in the Hall of Fame that should be because they didn't do it, and thus if it was an even playing field, they would have looked that much better. That's a, that's a good point as well. And it's funny, the guys who everyone assumes, well, this guy didn't do – Craig Biggio was a guy in Houston that made the Hall of Fame. Craig Biggio, to me, is not a Hall of Fame player. He was a good player for a really long time. In the steroid era, because he was assumed not to be a steroid user, people looked at him as like this gritty, this is this is what a ball player is supposed to be, even though he was never a, a, a top of the league great ball player. And there's no, there's no, it's, it's people assuming that he never did steroids. They just say, well, he couldn't look at him. He's got pine tar on his helmet. He doesn't use batting gloves. That's not a steroid. It's just, it's foolish the way that these riders, voters, look at these guys and just decide for themselves if this is a steroid guy or not. Yeah. Boy, you're going next level there, though. You're saying, you're saying that because. People were sensitive to the fact that guys not doing PEDs would have a disadvantage relatively statistically. They looked at him as saying he doesn't seem like he would have. Thus, he got his his performance got inflated in a way in esteem because it was supposedly clean. Do you think if there was never a steroid uh, scandal at all and he had the exact same stats, do you think he wouldn't have made it? 
I don't. I, I think of guys, and one of the Harold Baines is a guy who was a really good player for a long time. No one thought of him as a Hall of Famer until the steroid guys started to be like on the, on the ballot. It's like, well, we can't vote for him. Who are we going to vote for? We got to have a class. Oh, how about Harold Baines? How about Tim Raines? Let's put in these fringe well, hey, guys. Rock, well, listen, Rock Raines is pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> but these are guys who weren't Hall of Fame guys, you know, compared to the absolute legends of the game. But it, when it was like, well, we've got to make an example. We can't put these guys in. So who's the next here that we can bump up? I tell you this, though. I love, to me, one of the great, to me, the Baseball Hall of Fame is the best Hall of Fame because I do believe it's the most discerning. It's, it's, it's the one that is hardest to get into typically overall. And I like the idea that you could say that guy, that guy was really good for a long time, but you know, just wasn't that Hall of Fame guy. It's like in, in the NFL, it doesn't seem like it's like that. It feels like there's everyone you think should be in there is and more. And I know we don't want to leave anyone out that should be, but I like it being discerning. And I think this is one of the things the PEDs ruined is, like you said, some people that obviously Pete Rose should be in. That's not PED related. And my question is, what happens? Do we throw people like does OJ Simpson get thrown out? You know, it's like if we're going to make ethics and off the field the issue, does why does that end once? They're retired. Or if you want to make the argument that Pete Rose and Joe Jackson can't be in the Hall of Fame because they've been banned from baseball, I'll well, hear the sense. argument. Uh, it does. And I'll hear the argument. Okay, they're banned from baseball. You don't want them in the Hall of Fame. Fine. But why, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens aren't banned from baseball. And the simple reason is there wasn't enough evidence to, to ban them from baseball. So how baseball sees it fit that they can still be part of the game you know, Barry Bonds could go coach a team if he wanted tomorrow. Roger Clemens could go be a pitching coach. They're not banished, but they're not good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Is very confusing to but me. But that's not baseball's decision. That's the writer's decision. Yes. All right. All right. So, saying ain't so, AJ, is with Shoeless Joe. I don't I, listen. If the guy couldn't read or write, I'm not sure he was fixing games. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just going by eight men out. But I mean, you know, but Arnold Rothstein, I was a fan. You know, he was called the Big Bankroll. I did not know that. Now that's a that's a nickname to have. Hey, that is big, a good nickname. The Big Bankroll's coming tonight. You know, <laughs> you know, there's going to be action. I'll finish that story first, though. Let's be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. I mean, he had two nicknames, Rothstein. One was the Big Bankroll. The other was the Big Brain. Now think about that. Yeah, there's too, a lot of respect with those names. That's two good nicknames. Yeah, and if you want, if you ever watched um, Boardwalk Empire, the way they depicted that was pretty true. Is Rothstein was like a mentor to Lucky Luciano, and who ended up being the guy who really modernized the mob at the time, or you know, some call it the mafia, but there is no mafia, is what I hear. But you know, organized crime, we'll say, is uh, it's a fascinating story. I've read a couple biographies on Rothstein. But just to show you how tough it is to end up a winner in gambling is he ended up getting gut shot over a, a bet. He thought he got cheated in a poker game. He wouldn't pay, and he was shot dead over it, AJ. Oh. Mackenzie posted this up on the, uh, on the screen here, and I'd totally forgotten about this. 
that David Ortiz in a 2003 anonymous drug testing survey had a positive test uh, for performance-enhancing drugs. And Rob Manfred came out and said he doesn't think that David Ortiz's legacy should be tarnished by this drug test. And clearly, judging on the fact that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, it wasn't, even though he's been more directly connected to using steroids than Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens. Yeah, uh, this is... uh... As Michael Corleone said, we live in the same world, the hypocrisies <laughs> of the world. <laughs> and you know what? You're right. You're right. And it's so funny how, and just to close this topic, is to me, baseball was, I don't want to say ruined, but really suffered for the steroid year for not the most obvious reasons, maybe, but more so that all the numbers got ruined is 60, 61 home runs, 714, 756. Like, these were, I mean, me growing up, I used to read, you know, when I was, like, five years old in, like, the late 70s, I'd be reading, you know, like, uh, record books, literally. And now the numbers don't matter. And they all got ruined. And to me, we can't forget that after the strike in the lost season, Baseball was in a real bad spot. And when McGuire and Sosha started on that, you know, track to beat 61, it completely revitalized the game. It did. And at a certain point, they knew there was trouble and they covered it up. And again and again, you see the cover up is worse than the crime. And I think the effects of this went about a decade and they still linger. Closing thoughts. I had one more thing. You mentioned Roger Clemens. You think he would be a Hall of Famer without steroids. Were, were you saying that as to say that Barry Bonds wouldn't be? You know something? Let's take our final break. When we come back, <laughs> I'm going to answer that question because as a Pirate fan, I was in unique position to do so. And we're going to give you Sean Payton's ATS record and an update on the two games this weekend. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's wrap up the conversation we were just having about Barry Bonds. Yeah, so you want to set it up, A.J.? Yeah, R.J., I asked you before the break if you think Barry Bonds pre-steroids or pre-presumed steroids was a Hall of Fame player. 
I wonder, you know, they teach you. I never went to radio school, but I know you did. Is they always say, hey, a lot of people don't listen to the whole show. Now, I know we got more that listen, but you must be so egotistical that you're like, everyone must listen to me every second that I can come in and just ask like three words of the question and assume everyone's just waiting for the answer. I, I like the a confidence. A lot of people call me egotistical. That's a, a frequent I, term for me. I like, the, I like the confidence. So to me, w- the great shame would be like a Roger Clemens is here's a guy that was clearly a Hall of Famer before there was any alleged steroid use and thus – he would be in, but now he's not for something that really wouldn't have helped him get in because he would have been in anyway. And I think as a pirate fan at the time, um, and I'm, I am a way in protesting the pirates because they won't spend any money and not call myself a fan. But I think Barry Bonds was the best player I ever saw. And I watched a lot of baseball in those years. And um, I, I'm not sure... Maybe it was because he was a different kind of player. He was so thin, and he hit for power, and he was the best fielding left. He didn't have the best arm, but he was probably the best fielding left fielder in the league. So, you know, the defense doesn't get as much conversation, and later in his career, it wasn't an issue or an advantage. But, man, oh, man, I thought Bonds was uh, as good as anyone. Now, you're a little younger, AJ. What was your take? Mine was the same. Like Barry Bonds, when he was he, his early years in Pittsburgh, probably you know, like the late '80s is when I was really involved with baseball. And Barry Bonds was like the best of the young group. And uh, eight Gold Gloves, like you mentioned, it goes it goes underrated. His his defense, no doubt. So we'll continue probably on slower days talking Hall of Fame as necessary. But it was a nice little newsy way. But we do got to finish up now. We're straight out of Vegas with the Sean Payton, but we just got one last thing. How good has Sean Payton been with the Saints against the spread? We've got the numbers, McKenzie. Sean Payton has coached the Saints from 2005 till today, save 2012 because of Bounty Gate, and only two teams have a better ATS record than Payton's 55%, Bill Belichick's 57% since 2005, and the Packers' 56%. The only two coaches, only two teams better in the Sean Payton era than the Saints. Yeah, and obviously Belichick was a consistent coach there and then two coaches for the Packers during that time. And think about it. A professional better's goal, his dream, his aspirations is 55% winners. If you had just started with Sean Payton and said, I'm, I'm not going to be a pro better. I'm just going to bet like a pro better. But all I'm going to do is bet on Sean Payton. <laughs> you would have done as well percentage-wise as a professional better. He's been that good. That's unbelievable. Okay, so let's do a rundown of the, our two games and, you know, our daily update. Yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals, seven-point dogs at Kansas City, and the San Francisco 49ers catching three-and-a-half at the Rams today. Yeah, so looking at these numbers here, one, I would say the Kansas City is one of the best numbers of the year meaning that you almost can see when people are, are faced with the number. On one hand, they're like, man, since he might be a little overrated, maybe the Burrow hype's a little too much. And then you think, well, wait a minute, seven? That means they got to win by more than seven to cover with KC. And, you know, Burrow probably has that back door open. And, you know, he, he already just beat this team. <laughs> so it's like there really is – 
clearly two arguments that are both very valid. That Cincinnati's season hasn't been near as good as KC. They don't have near the pedigree. But we'll we'll pick it up tomorrow. But I got to tell you, that is a line that's going to be tough to beat. If you missed any of today's show, including the Hall of Fame discussion about Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens being locked out, check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We're going to be back 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time tomorrow. We'll discuss all those games in further detail. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!